welcome back to the porch. This week we are going to be discussing all things voting and we have brought on a special guest, my sister Sarah, who is a first-time voter in the 2020 presidential election to weigh in on why she voted and why voting in general is so important. So let's get into it. Why don't we start with the Electoral College? So let's bring it back to the fundamentals of understanding the voting process and how exactly your vote counts. The Electoral College is a compromise between um, the popular vote and a vote in Congress. So the president and the vice president are elected by electors through the Electoral College. So not necessarily by the popular vote, but that doesn't mean your vote doesn't count. So what happens in the Electoral College is that your vote goes to a statewide tally. And in most states, uh, the winner in that state gets all of the electoral votes in that state for the majority. So if the Democratic Party wins that, they get all the electoral votes for the state. I personally don't agree with the Electoral College. I don't know enough to get into it that much to argue its legitimacy. But I do believe that it makes people feel as though their vote isn't important. I know when my first when I my first time voting last round, what I felt like my vote didn't necessarily count because the electoral college got it and they got to decide. But that's not necessarily the case and that's not necessarily every state. Right. And I think it does trip a lot of people up and you do have to wonder, especially among the younger population, voting population, you have to wonder whether or not that's a deterrence because I do think a lot of people get tripped up on the idea of, oh, does my vote really count? Yes, I was a first time voter and it was very exciting. Um, And that, of course, did cross my mind about how much my vote would actually count. But I think just because of, I mean, me and I think my whole generation, pretty much, we know that so much is at stake. And so no matter what, we do want to perform our right to vote for the first time and it just makes it even more exciting and um yeah i think leaving the voting station i definitely felt like my vote count and and it was still just nice to be able to have that experience and still keep on to that hope that it will and it will lead to change i think that's a really powerful sentiment and it's also the perfect transition into talking about voter turnout Our demographic, in particular, the 18 to 29-year-old demographic, is so crucial, not just in this election, but in every election, and we cannot underestimate the power of our vote, which is why it is so, so, so important to turn out and show up and cast your ballot. Yeah, and it's really amazing the turnout we've seen so far, right? According to the Tufts University Circle Program, more than 5 million people in the age group of 18 to 29 have voted. 3 million of these voters alone are in battleground states, which is super, super cool, super interesting to see. And it's really important for those of you in this age demographic to note that you can still vote, you can still have your voice be heard, and you're going to make a difference in this election. It's going to be big. So get out there and go. The last election turnout for our age demographic was just over 46%. But this year, according to the Harvard Youth Poll, it predicts up to 63% for this election. So our demographic has so much stake um, and we can we can swing the country back. We can build it 
to be better. I really do truly believe that. Absolutely. And I think we have to hold on to that hope. It's so essential for our democracy and for ensuring the health of our democracy. And that cannot be overstated. You know, our democracy only works if we participate in it. Yeah. And I think a huge portion of our demographic does feel that our our system has failed us. But like you said, that should be a fuel to the fire and, and get us going to get out there to vote, to make the difference, um, to make that change that we want to see. So many people will have an opportunity this year, especially because of the accessibility to voting, to early voting, to, to uh, mail-in voting, to universal voting in California. People want the change. So the numbers are only going to go up. I certainly hope so. And I do think we have to keep in mind that although we are seeing large numbers of people voting early, voting by mail, voter suppression still is a concern and voter intimidation is still a concern. It is something that we all have to be conscious of and on the lookout for as we head to the polls. So make a plan and know your rights. In the same vein, I think we would be remiss not to touch on disinformation and social media because I think one of the unique challenges of more recent elections is social media. On the one hand, social media can play a vital role in disseminating information, reaching a larger number of people, and getting them pertinent and valuable information. On the other hand, it's very easy for bad actors to share information that is not necessarily reliable and that can lead to a number of negative outcomes. And obviously this is true not only in the case of disinformation that is intentionally spread, but also misinformation, which is why it is so important to ask questions every time you are consuming information. When did the information come out? Who is the source? Why might this person take interest in sharing this information? It's important to think critically and independently about the information that we are receiving. And that is absolutely not to say that one should be overly skeptical of the news and the media because that is incredibly dangerous as well. This is purely in terms of social media where I think a lot of young people especially are getting the majority of their news before sharing or reposting or retweeting or believing everything you read, make sure that you are asking important questions and verifying the reliability of the information. Valid points, valid points. I think that's a very valuable thing that you taught me early on. And it was to question my sources. Yeah, it's just so important. As human beings, we all have bias and our bias can inform our opinions which is why it's so important to seek out a variety of sources and to do your research and to read publications and watch news networks that you don't necessarily agree with. Read it anyway. Watch it anyway. It doesn't mean you have to agree with it, but it is important to 
ensure that you don't end up in an echo chamber. Absolutely. And I think a lot a lot of the time in our generation, we tend to stick to the quick blips on Twitter and Instagram and things like that. And that's great to, to follow people and advocates and and groups, but you got to do your research on them, right? Just because they look great face value doesn't mean they are. And I think we really have to evaluate everything that we're digesting, right, through our social media, because we spend a lot of our time on it. We spend our time on TikTok. We spend our time on Snapchat, on Instagram, on Twitter, and it's easy, right? It's easy to access like quick news, but then you get into your feed that is only that one-sided feed. So go out and do the work. If you want to learn more opinions and want to learn what the other, like your opposing party is doing and saying and passing, go learn that. Exactly. Sarah, I'm curious what you think, because you are a little bit younger than us, at least one election cycle. So what do you think in terms of young people using social media as the primary way that they consume their news? I think social media definitely plays a huge role. Um, I think we're definitely not taught to question it enough. I know for me, I had to just figure that out on my own. And I know that I resorted to social media a lot for my sources um, and just general information. And I found myself kind of unclearing other perspectives from my feed. And now hearing you all talk about that, I realize how detrimental that was. And I have started incorporating those other perspectives into my feed because they are important. And um, I think just my generation, we do spend so much time on social media. And so it's definitely important, but also dangerous. Yeah. One of the things I feel social media has done, particularly for the younger generation and demographic is it has allowed politicians to interact with them via social media in a way that wasn't previously possible. At the same time, I think it has also led to the overglorification of politicians. And so in that sense, it is a bit of a double-edged sword. It's reinforced this stan culture where people are saying, I stan ex-politician, to the point where it becomes increasingly easy to forget that they're fallible human beings, that they're capable of making mistakes. And the result of this, the result of seeing politicians as superhuman or extraordinary is that we don't hold them to account to the extent that they should be held accountable. And rather than promote this culture in which we place politicians on these pedestals, we need to be promoting a culture in which we can acknowledge duality and we can acknowledge that a politician can do really, really good things while also having the capacity to make mistakes and while also making mistakes. With that, I want to pivot just a little bit and ask you, Sarah, about hope. I know it's very profound and it's a bit of a personal question, but do you still have hope as a young person who is 
stepping into this role as a voter at such a crucial time? I would say I do have hope. And I think in just the voter turnout kind of shows that. Yeah, that's fair. I think it is really encouraging to see just how many people are coming out to vote in this election. I also think in that sense, change doesn't happen in a vacuum. And so you have to have hope. That being said, for maybe the younger voters that don't know, but that continues after the election, right? If if our candidate doesn't win, right? It doesn't mean that all hope is completely lost, right? You got to go vote for the people that are in your county that are representing your states that are on the Senate that are on the, that are in the House. You have these options. These are the people that write and, and pass your laws and your bills and your amendments. So you have you have a voice still after this this big whirlwind election. Exactly. And we have to remember that no matter the outcome of the election, police brutality is not going to cease to exist. And the threat to women's reproductive rights is not going to cease to exist. And so it is our responsibility to hold our elected officials, no matter who they are, no matter who wins this election, to account and to ensure that the change that we want to see comes to fruition. The election, whether it is this election or future elections, it is not the end-all be-all. It's a process. It's a constant process of demanding that our voices be heard and that our interests be represented in our government. And so if we want to heal the sicknesses of our society, if we want to rid it of homophobia and racism and misogyny, that doesn't end when we elect someone into office. That's just the beginning. All of this to say, please go vote. Your vote is your voice. Your voice matters. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And we will see you back here on the porch next week.